afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and, of course, the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Marty, pastor to the Grace Adventist Center and Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Churches right here in Adelaide. And I'm joined by Pastor Gary. Pastor Gary is pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Pastor Gary. Uh, uh, welcome, Marty. It's uh, it's great to uh, to be here, be here again. Uh, it is uh, it's a fantastic uh, afternoon here, uh, nice and uh, chilly, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, great to be on air. Just being able to to, to share uh, with our listeners. Yeah, I want to welcome our listeners this afternoon. Uh, and uh, yes, here in Adelaide, we have been blessed with the beautiful sunshine, and um, I was just it just brought joy to my heart to see that blue sky throughout the day, uh, Pastor Gary. And mm. you know, we've had a, a bit of wet weather this year. In fact, I think I heard something along the lines of the most rain in about four decades. Indeed, indeed. This I, I've certainly been here now for twenty years in this uh, this part of the world, and uh, I would have to say this has probably been one of the wettest uh, winters that we've ever uh, ever had. It's actually dragging on uh, certainly longer than what I'm uh, I'm used to. Yeah, well, coming from New South Wales, uh, you know, we looked on on the uh, online and we looked at the annual rainfall for Adelaide and we thought, wow, this is a dry place. Yeah. And it seems like it's rained ever since we got here. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way it's been this year as well. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, I, I also want to take this opportunity to actually promote a series that we have up and coming at uh, the University of South Australia at the West Campus. The series is called I Discover Revelations Prophecies, World Events Explained. It's commencing on the 21st of July at the Uni University of South Australia, the West Campus. And um, this particular series is going to be looking at world events. It's going to be looking at Bible prophecy. And I want to just give a personal invitation. Anyone here in Adelaide is, is welcome to come along, bring a friend along. That's the I Discover Lectures that is actually going to be taking place commencing the 21st of July at, uh, at uh, the University of of South Australia. Marty, can I just start, just uh, come in there if I possibly can. Look, I just really like to recommend uh, to our listeners this uh, this particular series. Now, you didn't actually mention them, which I think is a huge oversight, who the speaker is at this uh, at this series. Look, they'll have to just come and find out, Pastor Gary. Nah, let me let me tell everyone. <laughs> Look, our good friend Marty is actually the presenter at this uh, this series. He won't tell you that because he's far too modest, but I tell you, he is a fantastic presenter and you will love uh, what uh, Pastor Marty is going to to share uh, in this series. Now, look, folks, if you would like uh, to actually have a little bit more information about what's being presented, can I make a suggestion to you? Why don't you just uh, text us at our studio text number and just simply say, uh, Pastor Marty, can I have a copy of uh, your of your advertising? That's all you need to do, and uh, he will he will deliver it uh, to you uh, to you, and uh, you'll really uh, really get to uh, uh, to appreciate this uh, this particular series so uh, Marty you don't mind if I if I say that do you if, if anybody Absolutely. wants yeah. a piece of your advertising uh, then all they need to do is to text us to tell people our studio text number again oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven oh four four triple eight eight oh eight 
11. And just send the text, please send me advertising to Marty's series, and you can have, this is I Discovered, this is talking about a biblical prophecy. You will love this particular series if you happen to be here in Adelaide. Absolutely. It's a free series. There's going to be a resource center as well. We are, um, we're also going to be having some guest, uh, guest medical professionals presenting during the series. It's going to be an absolute highlight. So, uh, really looking forward to that kicking off again on the 21st of July. Um, only just over two weeks away. Yeah. So really looking forward to that. Well, today for our World Watch segment, um, I came across a very interesting article talking about the fact that we're seeing this dramatic increase in bowel cancer in younger people. Um, the article was called Kat Goodall was 33 and studying to be a surgeon when she received her shock cancer diagnosis. Mm. And the article goes on to say that um, bowel cancer has actually spiked by 266%, wow. I believe, in the um, the younger category. So that's, you know, sort of the 20 and 30-year-olds. Mm. There's this huge dramatic increase. And they've noticed this over the last few decades, this dramatic increase in bowel cancer. And the challenge for younger people is it sometimes is actually harder to pick up on. It's harder to diagnose and harder to pick up on. And so sometimes it can be left um, undiagnosed, which, of course, will, you know, the longer it's, you know, untreated, the worse it gets. And uh, the, the interesting thing I found in this article, Pastor Gary, was that the author said that, um, the, quoting from, doc, from, from, from doctors, etc., saying that they're actually not 100% sure why we're seeing this increase. Now, and, and instantly my thought was, well, it's got to be diet-related. It's got to be diet-related. As I kept on reading, there's certainly, um, that's, you know, certainly possible. Mm. But there needs to be a bit more research into, into, you know, Something that's a bit more concrete, evidence-based, to show yeah. what is exactly causing this increase in in bowel cancer, particularly among younger people. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to throw that one to your way, Pastor Gary. Um, you know, I mean, we're not medical professionals, um, but of course, we are passionate about health. It's a big part of what we believe in as uh, as Seventh Day Adventists. We believe in whole person health because we believe God mm. um, cares not only for our spiritual health but also even our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual the whole the whole lot. And um, so, I just wanted to let's have a discussion about this. You know, what, what do you think could be some of the factors that could actually be Meaning that younger people are actually facing things yeah, like bowel Marty, cancer. Uh, th- this is, I think, a really significant question because you sort of expect that as the people get start to get up to to my age, uh, you know, you sort of start to get the you know the frailty of life starts to kick in just a little bit and things start to uh, start to go wrong. And of course, you know, for my age bracket, you you turn around and uh, I still remember getting this a number of years ago. I thought it was hugely funny. You know, I think it was one of my fifty fifty first or so, somewhere in there. Um, Birthday, the government sends you a uh, sends you a little pack, uh, and of course, this little pack is because they want a sample of your, you know, uh, of your feces, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. uh, they can uh, you can do a preventative um, tests. And uh, this is something that I know that you know I've I've certainly been quite faithful in, in doing this, and each time it's come come back, and uh, each time it's gone it's gone negative. But you know, I, I'm just so thankful that we do actually. 
actually have a government that is actually uh, moving yeah. in that particular direction. And yet, I, I do also acknowledge that the point that you make is actually a very good one, uh, and that is that uh, this issue that increasingly uh, cancers and um, and health issues are starting to impact not just those who are in their their 50s 60s and 70s uh, but rather into the the younger category of people who you wouldn't normally expect to be getting impacted with these uh, with mm. these types of mm. issues now uh, you know t- to me again I- I'm conscious that we're not medical professionals so I don't want to sort of uh, come across as a medical professional but you know one of the things I'm just really conscious of is that uh, there seem to be some correlations uh, certainly from what uh, from my reading and certainly from what most doctors are certainly saying and that is that uh, things like our modern our contemporary lifestyle is starting to impact the uh, the diseases that we uh, are, are are receiving now you know i mean i, I think of things like for example uh, uh things like uh, you know the amount of fiber uh, in, in the diet the uh, amount of processed food that we're actually uh, consuming mm. uh, the amount of exercise that we're not doing and, and to me i'm just so conscious that put together these things appear you know with re- with repetition uh, monotony. Uh, these uh, these issues are coming up certainly in the documentation that I am reading mm. about uh, about an individual's health. You know, does it matter what I uh, what I consume? Well, apparently, a high a highly processed diet does seem to have negative consequences. Yeah, not having yeah. sufficient exercise does seem to have negative consequences. I mean, I, I will remember, you know, uh, when uh, uh, when I first uh, um, first realised that what I eat does impact me. In fact, I, I will remember it only too well because I, I I came I came home. Actually, it was uh, two days before Christmas. Way back, I was about eighteen, and. Uh, I, I used to love um, eating eating meat pies. Uh, I, you know, I mean, goodness me, I grew up on the Australian <laughs> meat pie. Uh, on this particular occasion, you know, myself and my brother and uh, and another friend, we'd just gone and had a game, a simple game of golf. But on the way home, we'd had our meat pie. What we didn't mm. realise was that mm. we were actually had just uh, been uh, food poisoned, and we actually, the three of us, actually got incredibly, incredibly sick as a result of that. You know. I have never felt so sick as uh, over that probably yeah, three yeah. or four day period uh, when I uh, when I was dealing with that particular issue. What I had taken into my system, and I know it's an extreme example, did actually impact me even as a young man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and did you keep eating meat pies after that, Pastor Gary? No, actually, that's uh, that's actually the reason I did actually turn vegetarian. Fair it, it, it was interesting. That was yeah. actually the. That was the turning point. That was, for me, was actually the turning point because, uh, for me, I actually, I realised at that point that what I ate 
was going to impact on me. Mm. And uh, mm. at that point, my, my family certainly uh, were not vegetarian. And I well remember going and announcing to my mum that, Mum, I'm going to go vegetarian. And, you know, I mean, uh, she, uh, uh, she she was blown away. I mean, uh, she, she knew a fair bit about uh, vegetarians, uh, but uh, she'd never become a vegetarian herself. But it was at that point that I actually turned it and made that uh, that life choice, which uh, with a few minor exceptions. When I'm travelling, uh, will I eat some fish? Yes, I will eat some fish when I, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. when I travel because there are some places that certainly I've travelled to where I can't get uh, the high quality uh, vegetarian meals. But I certainly, certainly do go that direction to this day. But uh, do you know, to me, I believe that has had a very positive impact on my life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, what, what's that saying? You are what you eat. You yeah, know, I yeah, think. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think one of the other I- interesting areas of research that there's more and more attention. I actually, I'm personally very passionate about health. I'm actually doing a post grad in lifestyle uh-huh, medicine uh-huh. through Avondale University. And, and any of our Faith FM listeners, if I can encourage you to get a brilliant app on your phone, it's a free yeah, app. Yeah. You can just t- type in Elia Wellness on your phone app store and um, you can get this brilliant app it's a lifestyle medicine app heaps of resources fact sheets um, short video clips even little um, exercise routine video clips and uh, and courses that you can do Mm. fantastic lifestyle medicine education resource Elia Wellness now an area that there's uh, it seems that uh, there's more and more attention is gut health Mm-hmm. This idea of gut health mm-hmm. and uh, the microbiome, this idea that we have, it's almost like as unique as our fingerprint that we have a, um, a, a, a colony or a civilization of, 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 of bacteria in our gut that needs to be kept in a, in, in a very fine balance. And things like antibiotics and th- some of these medications that we are so you know they are so so needed. However, the um, you know I think there's all there's for quite a while in the medical industry there's been concern about you know how much antibiotics is being prescribed and this idea of the superbugs that are even becoming resistant mm. to the antibiotics. But of course, when you do a course of antibiotics, it is going to have an impact on your gut health. Yeah, yeah. And not all of the supplements, not all of the um. Not all of the, uh, you know, the good bacteria supplements that you can get. Um, sometimes they, they, yeah, they actually can't always reproduce the mm. microbiome that we need because your body actually needs to build its own microbiome back up that's very unique. It's not just one or two different types mm. of mm. bacteria down there. It's a whole range of different bacteria, and it is actually related to the more plant-based kind of diet you have and not sitting too much. Yeah. Because um, when you sit, it's not great for your digestion. It's important that we get out and we actually go for a short walk. Um, there's been times where I have had some stomach issues. Yeah. And during those times, I've been extra, extra uh, careful 
that uh, that after a meal I'll just go for a, a brief, a brisk walk uh, after that meal because that promotes digestion because it gets things moving. You know, if I can it, put it, it. It's interesting you actually say that. You know, because what to me you're saying saying is that it's so important to actually be a healthy vegetarian. You know, I I've shared with a number of people my own story where I certainly went through an era there where yes I was a vegetarian but I basically functioned as an unhealthy vegetarian. In other mm. words, I was mm. eating so much processed food, so much oily food, uh, that uh, the reality was was that I'd actually started to put on significant weight as a, as a vegetarian. Now, it was only when I, I actually took uh, some concerted steps against that. In fact, I'd, it was as a result of a medical test that a little bit later I actually uh, went and, and said, hey, I have to be not just a vegetarian, but I have to be a healthy vegetarian and by healthy vegetarian I mean somebody who is actually you know being holistic exercising as well watching the the fiber intake you know I was really really interested I uh, for for quite a while I was having uh, some some real challenges with uh, um, with heartburn is what it's, it's commonly called or reflux uh, and I was taking uh, taking tablets and uh, with monotonous in fact almost every day I think for a couple of years I was taking tablets to deal with this reflux it was something i thought that i had to had to put up with i changed my diet became far more a far more high fiber diet and started exercising uh exercising just walking uh, uh well I, I actually walk now about an hour a hour a day and uh, uh i found just in making that change within one week all the reflux disappeared all the reflux went That's away. That's fantastic. And, you know, I was able to drop the uh, drop the tablets and it was only as a result of a lifestyle change. That's fantastic. You know, wh- one thing I want to just add onto this, Pastor Gary, before we go to, um, to some music, is that often, you know, often if someone is transitioning from like a meat diet uh, you know a lot of a lot of meat and and it's interesting that even if you're not eating meat you can still be overdoing the protein and um you know there are a lot of supplements or a lot of i guess this movement towards the gym and and getting yeah, a lot of supplements yeah. and i you know i wonder about that myself and i wonder if you know sort of taking in huge amounts of protein what does that do to our gut uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's uh, yeah, something yeah. from some more research. However, what's interesting is it actually takes time for your gut to actually adjust to a different diet. And I've heard a lo- number of people say to me, oh, I cannot eat vegetarian because I get a lot of wind. The, 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 the reality is you will in the initial stages because your, your body is actually going through an adjustment. And, um, in the, you know, it sometimes can take a f- couple of weeks before the microbiome, the, the, um, the bacteria in your gut and your system actually adjusts to the point where it's now not just like, you know, it, it's not used to, um, digesting food that's so rich in fiber and, and, um, that kind of thing. If it's, yeah. if it's used to digesting quite a bit of meat, there's no fiber in meat. Mm. And so it's got to basically work a lot harder. Yeah. And, um, and so what I would say is to, to our listeners who are considering, you know, moving in the direction of more plant based, more whole foods, 
um, you know, don't be discouraged if you start to uh, experience <laughs> a bit more wind than you would normally have. Don't, you know, don't uh, don't give up is what I'm yeah, saying. You know, yeah. it will. There is there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> there's uh, you know, it's it's all good. We should we should get to some music uh, because. Um, because uh, yeah, we 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 don't want to get too carried away. So let's listen to this beautiful song by David Phelps as the deer. It's one of my personal favourites.
That was David Phelps with As the Deer, a remarkable song. And um, I want to welcome you back to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Marty and Pastor Gary. This week we're following the theme, A History of Tomorrow. Is it possible? Is it possible to know the future? And today we're actually going to be looking specifically at history and prophecy Are the prophecies of the Bible, are they accurate? Now, today we actually have a fantastic free giveaway. This is a little book written by Julian Archer. It's called The History of Tomorrow. And the history of tomorrow reveals Earth's last 2,600 years through the eyes of kings, prophets, popes, and presidents. Examining the biblical prophecy in Daniel chapter 2, it unveils a pattern in the timeline of history and exposes an event that will soon permanently alter the face of our planet. This is a must-read. The History of Tomorrow is a foundational resource for anyone who seeks to understand the tectonic movements that are shaping geopolitics, religion, and economics today. If you want to get a free copy of this book, send us a text. Send us the code SA125, just five digits, SA125, and send that code, text it to 04888. 80811. That's our studio number. That number again, 04888-80811. And you will get a free copy of Julian Archer's The History of Tomorrow. This is a brilliant book. I've read it a number of years ago and it, uh, it is, is, is so intriguing. It's a fascinating read. It helps you to make sense of what's happening in the world today. And one of the things I like about this book is it's so succinct, yet it's so profound. You can read it in one sitting, 45 minutes, and you'll actually get through this book. And yet, in that 45 minutes, you will, uh, your, your perspective on things will be, um, will be challenged. It will be informed based on what has happened throughout history. And, of course, the fact that history will repeat itself. And so again, for this book, The History of Tomorrow, looking at a, an amazing prophecy from Daniel chapter 2, looking at, uh, at the patterns of history and looking at events that will soon permanently alter the face of our planet, you, this is a must read. I can't guarantee it any stronger. The, to get this book, send us a text, send us the code SA125 to the, our studio number 048 11. And so, Pastor Gary, we're looking at history and prophecy. Is prophecy accurate? I'm very interested what you're going to be sharing with us today. And, of course, this is a, a subject I'm very keen on. And, yeah, I'm interested to hear what, yeah, uh, what you've got prepared. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit nervous, actually, Marty, because I know you're going to be uh, presenting on uh, on this uh, uh, subject exactly like this in just uh, just a few weeks' time, and they're going to be fantastic meetings. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I feel that you should be the one presenting this uh, today, not uh, not somebody like uh, like me. But yeah, look, Marty, this is probably one of the most significant uh, questions uh, that I think we do need to resolve. You know, the the, the, the scriptures speak about uh, prophecy uh, repetitiously. But do you know, 
if it can't be shown in history and if it can't be shown through the archaeological record, and of course tomorrow we're going to be dealing with the archaeological record, today we're going to be dealing with the historical record, then it's really of no value. And to me, the really exciting thing is that the, Christ- the scriptures can actually, the prophecy, the prophecies can, um, can reveal, um, uh, the future and it's established by looking back at the historical record. Now, uh, do you know the uh, what? What many people don't actually realise is that uh, Peter uh, does say something very significant, and this is the foundation for everything that we're saying saying today. And Second uh, Peter uh, chapter chapter one verse uh, nineteen uh, through to twenty says uh, says this, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, to me, Marty, this is a powerful passage of scripture because it's making claims about the biblical prophets that many don't realize, even many uh, believers today have overlooked this reality. Now just consider what Paul is saying here. Prophecy never came by the will of man. Now that means it's outside uh, of of himself, um, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now what does that actually mean? Marty, help us out with this. What does that mean? It's very similar to 2 Timothy 3.16, which is all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It, It seems that the scripture is not the result of human guesswork, it's not the result of just human intellect, but rather it's actually got its source in a divine mind actually guiding this whole process. And I think as you look at prophecy, that is one of the most remarkable proofs of the fact yeah. that the Bible couldn't have just simply come about by um you know by by human intellect or human guesswork because no person can accurately predict the future it no one can do that yeah there's been plenty of people who have attempted to yep and they you know they they've they've, they've failed, all failed. they failed with monotonous regularity haven't yeah. they yeah. you know that's yeah. and that's the reality and yet peter turns around here and says prophecy didn't come because man willed it in other words you know if i've written a book what i do is i sit down i do my research i do my homework or perhaps it you know i dream up something at, you know in out of my mind i write it down and you know i pass it on and you know i can copyright this because this is my book it's come from my mind you know i'm a clever person but Peter says, no, 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 that's not how the prophets worked. The prophets actually uh, received what they received, maybe through visions, maybe through dreams, maybe uh, some, you know, through the teachings of Jesus Christ themselves. Uh, you know, you get this, uh, this being, something's being imparted from them, uh, to them, that didn't actually originate in their own mind. Now, this is momentous. And look, you, many people actually miss the significance of this. Now, uh, now let me just... Uh, just let me, I was just going to jump yeah, in yeah, there, yeah, Pastor yeah. Gary. If this is true, this would mean that the Bible is in fact 
the very word of God, as it claims to be thousands of times throughout the scripture. And if that is true, then it is, you know, it is the most important book that we have. Exactly. And it, and what it also means is that it can be tested because if in fact prophets have received uh, visions and dreams, if they've received, uh, their, their knowledge from a supernatural source and the source has spoken about the future, then by looking at history, look from our vantage point, we can actually test what's been said. And yeah. this is, this is brilliant. Now, look, one of the things that I think one um, that, that many people don't realize, and this is true for believers, uh, just uh, some time ago, I, I love um, during my my holidays, uh, I love reading uh, books that. Uh, well, I mean, some people say, "Hey, there," uh, you know. I mean, I, I like to. Some people like to read novels. I actually like to read books about theology. Uh, now, and that, that, that I realize some people say you're a true that's pastor. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> on but, your holidays, you're reading <laughs> theological books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read one a little while ago, uh, written by John Lennox. Now, John Lennox, this is a, he's a remarkable fellow. He's actually, he's, he's not a, a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's a, he's a member of evangelical Christianity. And, uh, but he's a biblical apologist. Now, in his day-to-day work, he's actually professor of mathematics at, uh, Oxford University. He, in fact, I think he holds the chair, uh, in mathematics. So he, he's not a, he's no dummy. He, he enjoys being able to debate uh, those who oppose Christianity. Uh, Richard Dawkins is one that he particularly loves to debate, and he's had numerous debates with, um, and Richard, of course, Dawkins is totally opposed to everything Christianity stands for. Now, just recently, you know, as a professor of mathematics, uh, he he's written uh, a book entitled Against the Flow, The Inspiration of Daniel in an Age of Relativism. He's It's his commentary on the book of Daniel. Now, before him, there were others who held his chair at Oxford University who were also scientists and who also wrote books of theology. People don't realize that in the past, many scientists were also uh, highly, uh, highly trained mm. in, uh, in theology. Now, Sir uh, Isaac Newton was, uh, commentaries on Daniel and on the apocalypse, revelation. Very, a very outstanding mind. Uh, but this is, this is John Lennox. Now, this is what he He's, he's talking about, and this is this is what he says about this issue of supernatural prophecy. He says this: the fulfilment of supernatural prophecy lies at the heart of what Christianity is. To claim to be a Christian and not to take it seriously is a contradiction in terms. Yet in my experience, many professing Christians seem somewhat embarrassed by this dimension of their faith. Now, we're going to move on, but before we do, I just want to pick that one up. Uh, Marty, is this something that you're sensing that in the religious world generally, uh, people, uh, maybe even believers, can be a little bit embarrassed about the prophetic uh, dimension of their faith? I would say there's a large amount of ignorance. There's probably a lack of education. There's a lack of solid Bible study that's happening. And, um, and so I suppose embarrassment can come when we actually don't know, um, the reasons for our faith, the, when we can't actually show proof and solid verifiable evidence for why we believe a certain way mm. and um you know this is very interesting because that's the postmodern kind of dilemma that we face 
this idea that, um, well, it it almost kind of does away with the need for evidence and and you know. You know, sort That's of right, right it's, and wrong it's just thinking. assumed, it's just assumed that, hey, um, that, you know, I mean, this is a bit of, you know, prophecy foretelling the future. Is that really possible? And yet, you know, what, uh, uh, Lennox is saying here is that, uh, Christians, because they, you correctly point out, haven't actually done their homework. They don't know what the scriptures are actually saying. Therefore, they're embarrassed about this particular dimension of their faith. He, he keeps on going. Just listen to this. Christianity, however, he argues, is thoroughly embedded in history and prophecy. Many of its central events, including the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, were the subject of predictions made centuries earlier. I'm only too well aware that the contemporary culture in the West is so dominated by the naturalistic worldview. Now, let me just explain that. The naturalistic worldview, uh, that says that all things in this world happened naturally. You see, science... No no such thing as supernatural. There's no such thing as the supernatural. Science, contemporary science, is based on the presupposition of natural, the natural worldview. In other words, all things have just simply occurred. There's been no uh, supernatural uh, impact in in our world. And of course, the moment you turn around, you look at the biblical worldview, the biblical worldview says, no, there is actually supernatural impact that has impacted our uh, our world. I'm only too well aware, says uh, John Lennox, and he's professor of mathematics at uh, Oxford University, I'm only too well aware that the contemporary culture in the West is so dominated by the naturalistic worldview that anyone who claims that there's a supernatural dimension to reality is looked at and mocked. I, when I read that, I sort of thought, yes, 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 that's exactly what's happening. When I mentioned the resurrection at the culmination of my God delusion debate with Richard Dawkins in Alabama, uh, he responded in amazement what he, at, at what he thought was me being so naive. You know, I, I look at this and I say, wow, you know, uh, Richard Dawkins' view is that we have a simple choice. Either we believe in miracles and things like Bible prophecy, or we believe in the scientific understanding of the laws of nature, but we can't have both. Of course, what um, uh, what Lennox argues is it's physically possible to actually believe in both because the evidence points to both. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, the, the more I, I read this particular pass, this uh, this book, uh, to me, the more impressed I am because, you know, I, I'm just so conscious, Marty, that we're living in a world today uh, whereby uh, even Christian people are becoming embarrassed with mm. this thing mm. called prophecy. Yeah. And yet this is something that I believe is the very foundation of scriptural understanding. It's remarkable to me because, you know, about one-third of the Bible is prophecy. Yeah. About about 8,000 verses in scripture are prophecy. And, you know, the thing that, um, you know, this makes me think of is, is Christianity... A blind faith, or is it something that can be actually verified through solid evidence? Mm. When we talk about prophecy, we're really delving into the question of, 
is there evidence for the supernatural? Is there evidence that the Bible is the Word of God? And my personal conviction is that there is so much abundant evidence that if someone will just give themselves the time, you know, write in, get this book from us, uh, you know, the history of tomorrow will, will blow your mind if you have not actually ever read a a prophecy of the Bible. You've never actually delved into Bible prophecy. You've got to get this book. I'm going to give yeah, you the code yeah, again. It's yeah. SA125. If you send that code SA125, we will give you this book, The History of Tomorrow, um, written by Julian Archer. He's... um originally from up Queensland way and um, had the biggest olive grove I think in Australia at one point in time his family yeah, you know he's, yeah. he's a remarkable individual and a remarkable testimony that he has but but he's written this book The History of Tomorrow going in Daniel chapter 2 and if you've not actually done a Bible study on that subject send us the code SA125 to our studio number 0488 11. Once again, the code is SA, like South Australia, SA125, just five digits. Send that to 0488 and and, um, and you will be amazed at the prophecies in the Bible and how accurate yeah, they are yeah. to history. And, and this is the thing that I really appreciate, uh, Marty, because, you know, I, I love the point that you just made there, that uh, the scriptures themselves, you know, the, the number of people that have said to me, oh, but pastor, faith is blind. And my response to them is, no, 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 no. A faith that is blind is not <coughs> real faith. Faith that is blind is something that has no substance to it. Uh, you know, to me, uh, the reason that I believe that my faith can stand on such a solid rock uh, is because I actually have evidence for the faith uh, and that's the thing and the, I don't think I'd be a Christian <laughs> if it wasn't for the Bible prophecy and the incredible evidence that there is you know the shifting sands of human opinion and culture that's not something comparable to scripture scripture is uh, is eternal Scrip- yeah. the, the prophecies of, of the Bible actually give you proof, yes, which is indeed. which is needed indeed. in an age of scepticism like it today. Is, it is. But look, let me take you into a, a couple of the, uh, I suppose, examples uh, of uh, biblical prophecies that certainly blew my mind when I when I first came to understand them. In fact, it was when I was a, probably a, a late teenager. I, I was sitting down and I'm sort of looking at my life direction. And uh, it's, it's actually biblical prophecy that turned me around uh, because... Because to me, it made so much sense. It said, to me, there is a God. There is a supernatural God. There is someone that rules this world. The Most High rules the kingdoms of men and gives them to whomever he will, to quote a particular passage of scripture from the uh, from the book of Daniel. You know, it's when I realized that, uh, that suddenly uh, everything Christianity uh, was saying made sense to me. Yeah. Uh, but look, I-, I wanted to show you a little bit of that evidence. But look, let's do it after the break. All right, let's come to some music and we're going to dive straight in to some powerful Bible prophecy. Heaven will pass 
It's not a dream. God will make all things new. That day, gone is the curse from which I stumbled and fell. Even is banished to eternal hell. No more night, no more pain, no more tears, never crying again.
That was No More Night with the Heritage Singers. And welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. BQ&A with Marty and Gary. This week we are following the theme, A History of Tomorrow. Is it possible? Is it possible to know the future? Has the Bible accurately predicted the future? So today we're looking at history and prophecy. And um, Pastor Gary, you've got your Bible open there. And and uh, wanna, uh, let's just dive straight into it, shall we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, thanks, Marty. Look, th- this this reality. You know, what is the evidence? Like people say say to me, you know, where is the? And look, today I'm not actually going to go into the books of Daniel and Revelation. We're going to be uh, looking at this uh, subject of prophecy over about the next uh, three or four weeks. So uh, this is going to be we're going to be talking, really digging in, but we want to take it in bite size uh, chunks. Sometimes we take it a little bit uh, too uh, uh, too much at uh, one go. But today we're doing it. The next few weeks we're going to do it in bite-sized chunks and today we're just simply talking about prophecy uh, is it uh, reliable is it historically reliable uh, now look whereabouts in the bible now to me uh, there's a couple of passages that when i i first realized when i first saw them uh, i uh, it, it start it really challenged my thinking processes uh, you know i actually stumbled across uh, at one point in my in my bible reading and uh, it was isaiah chapter chapter 13 and verse 19 and it concerned Babylon and uh, of course at, at this time uh, we've got uh, um, Babylon a thriving city and uh, this is uh, this is what it says Isaiah chapter 13 verse 19 down to 21 and Babylon the glory of the kingdoms the beauty of the Chaldeans pride will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah it will never be inhabited, nor will it be settled from one generation to another, nor will the Arabian pitch his tent there, nor will the shepherds make their sheepfolds there, but the wild beasts of the desert, they will lie there, their houses will be full of owls, ostriches will dwell there, and wild goats, they will dwell there. Uh, do you know, to me, this is, this is a remarkable prophecy, you know, Marty? Uh, I want you to imagine that, you know, I don't know where the most uh, valuable real estate is in the world today, but, you know, I imagine it's probably, you know, maybe we could say, you know, Sydney, Melbourne have got fairly expensive real estate right in the, the heart of the city there. But if you go uh, maybe over to one of the big Western cities, maybe uh, London, maybe you go to uh, New York, somewhere, somewhere like that, and you said about the capital of the world. I'm not sure we've got a capital of the world today, but a place that has the world's most expensive real estate. These are the New Yorks, these are the Beijings, these are the Sydneys, the Londons of our world, they're the, the Parises of our world. They're the places we're talking about. In its day, Babylon was the was the uh, the center of the world. This is this is where you went if you were if you wanted to be a, a, a captain of commerce. You went to Babylon. If you wanted to uh, buy land in Babylon, it was incredibly expensive real estate. 
And yet Daniel, Isaiah, turns around and says, Babylon, the glory of the kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited, nor will it be settled. Uh, from generation to generation, the Arabian's not even going to pitch his tent there, nor will shepherds make their sheep foals there. You know, when I'm reading this, I'm sort of turning around saying, hey, uh, you know, at the time that, you know, this is, this is being written, we find Babylon, it's in, it's in the glory. It's in its glory days. Now look, just, just consider Babylon. Babylon's 196 uh, miles square. It's enclosed not only by a moat, but by a double wall. Now the wall is 330 feet high. That's almost uh, 100 meters uh, high. And each part of the wall was 90 feet uh, or about 10 metres thick. It was said uh, by unanimous popular opinion to be indestructible. And yet, here we find the prophet Isaiah turns around and says, this place where the most expensive real estate is in the entire world is going to be uh, as of Nothing. You know, I've actually been, I've had the privilege of going to uh, uh, what was old uh, East Berlin. It used to be in uh, uh, on the other side of the, the, the wall from West Berlin uh, to the Pergamon Museum. Mm, and, yes, uh, yes. Have you ever been there? Yes, I have, Pastor yeah, Gary. What's from there? Long. What's there? Well, you can actually walk through the Ishtar Gates of Babylon, yeah. reconstructed. Yeah. These are actually the gates. Now, of course, today you wouldn't be able to do what they did back then. But when these these gates were still standing uh, way back uh, when the archaeologists, it was one of the few things that were left standing, they very carefully dissected it all and took it back to their museum in Germany. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is, this is almost unbelievable. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to do it today. But when I realise the size of these gates, uh, you know, I, I look at them and uh, I simply started to... To realize something about how significant this kingdom really was. And yet God is prepared to say through Isaiah that the time is going to come when the most expensive real estate in the entire world is going to become a to a time when it won't be inhabited, uh, it won't be settled from generation to generation. Now, look, you know, you would normally expect that, you know, maybe a big city might finally become dilapidated and become a little town. Maybe I mean that's happened in many times in history. It's been it's been again. Maybe in future generations it gets rebuilt. God turns around and says, "No, no, no, that's not the case." What He says in Isaiah chapter thirteen is that this city will be destroyed, and it will stay destroyed, and it will not be rebuilt. And it's interesting that um, after, of course, the Babylonians, you had the Medo-Persians and then you had the Greeks and Alexander the Great actually attempted to rebuild Babylon. He had plans of making that his, uh, you know, his new capital but those plans actually uh, didn't come to fruition and of course Alexander the Great ended up dying at a very, very young age. He was only in his early 30s and um, and I believe of more recent times we had uh, Saddam Hussein over there in Iraq, who uh, who wanted to be a modern day Nebuchadnezzar, modern day king of yeah, Babylon, and yeah. rebuild. But of course, his uh, any of his plans to rebuild Babylon also came to naught. Exactly, exactly. You see, biblical prophecy is 
reliable. Then, of course, you've got this prophecy about uh, Tyre, and I'm conscious my time is really disappearing. I've spent far too much time there. Now, Ezekiel chapter 26 and uh, uh, and verse, verse 7. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will bring against Tyre. This is another city uh, from the north. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, king of kings, with horses, with chariots, and with horsemen, and with an army of many people. And I will put an end to the sound of your songs and the sound of your harps. Uh, shall no longer be heard, and I'll make you like the top of a rock, and you shall be a place for spreading nets, and you shall never be rebuilt. For I, the Lord, have spoken, says the Lord God. Now, how easy it is to test this. All you've got to do is to turn around and say, hey, look, you know, is this what happened? I mean, was the place ever scraped, scraped clean? Well, yes, it was. Why was it scraped clean? Well, it was scraped clean by Alexander the Great centuries later. Why did he scrape the place clean? Well, it's because Nebuchadnezzar had invaded it first, yes. and then they, um, the city of Tyre. I, I'm kind of cheating a bit because I have been looking at this uh, just recently. Yeah, Pastor yeah, Gary. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but the city of Tyre was uh, they had a sea, they had an island out to sea as well. And when um, Nebuchadnezzar was besieging and, and attacking Tyre, they were secretly actually transporting their goods and their citizens over to this uh, basically island um, empire. And when Nebuchadnezzar finally sort of broke through into Tyre, he found that it was basically desolate. Mm. And um, so angry, he just destroyed it. He leveled it to the ground, but he wasn't able to conquer Tyre um, on the island. On the island, and so along comes Alexander the Great centuries later, and um, and he actually scrapes, like you're saying, he scrapes the rubble, he scrapes the the debris that used to be the city of Tyre, and he makes a causeway yeah. out to the island, yeah. and he conquers the island. And what a remarkable story! You know, if that, if you had have dreamt up a a possible conclusion to a to a, a mighty city like Tyre, it, it was like the trade capital. All the major nations had their had their ships um, in the docks mm. at Tyre. This was a very powerful yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look to me. All I say is prophecy is something that is reliable. It's something that I can trust. It provides evidence for what the scriptures have declared. Yeah. It absolutely does. You know, Pastor Gary, I'm reminded of that beautiful verse where God says um, that he declares the end from the beginning, that there is no one else like mm. God, and indeed mm. there is no one else like God. There's no one else who can know the future like God does, and perhaps today you're listening on the program today, and perhaps you're concerned about the future. You look at the future, like many people, with anxiety, with worry, you look at what's happening around the world and it brings fear to your heart. The good news is that the God who has revealed the future can actually also guide our future if we place our future in his hands. And I want to encourage you to come and, and join again tomorrow as uh, Pastor Gary and Pastor David are actually going to be looking at archaeology and prophecy. Is there truth in the dust? I think the study of archaeology is just absolutely fascinating. I want to leave you with these words where God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. May God indeed bless you as you walk in the plan that he has for your life. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.